I'm Dr. Jack West from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org under the news heading. I'm very happy to be joined today by Dr. Ann So, who is professor in the Department of Thoracic and Head and Neck Medical Oncology in the Division of Cancer Medicine at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. She's also the director of the mesothelioma program and the director of thoracic chemo radiation program. So thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the uh, question of what led you into mesothelioma, a really kind of orphaned area that, uh, that has not had a lot of optimism in it. Well, when I was a fellow, I took care of a patient with my mentor, Dr. Wan Ki Hong, and there were very few treatment options I discovered for mesothelioma. So this was clearly a very large unmet need. Um, right at the time, cisplatin pemetrexid had come out, um, and prior to that, most mesothelioma patients rarely had responses, and they usually succumbed very quickly to their disease. But in this patient, he had quite a remarkable response. He had significant shrinkage of his disease. He had marked improvement of his performance status. And I thought, why can't we do this for all of our mesothelioma patients? And so that led me to become interested in the disease because it behaves so differently from any of the other thoracic malignancies. And when I discovered that there was this tremendous unmet need, I saw it also as an opportunity for academic study. Now, there have been some advances in, uh, in the field, and uh, at this point, the role for bevacizumab remains, I would say, somewhat controversial, open, and undefined. Can you talk about the state of the data now and what you think the field should be doing? Well, the MAPS trial was close to 660 patients, and they randomized patients to cisplatin pemetrexid with and without the bevacizumab, and this was all conducted by the IOCT in France. And what they demonstrated was close to a two-month median overall survival benefit with the addition of bevacizumab. Now, in both arms, the cisplatin pemetrexid were given for up to six cycles, and then the bevacizumab in the experimental arm was continued on as maintenance therapy. So there is some controversy because it's unclear about whether it was the maintenance therapy that led to the PFS and OS benefit or if it truly was an anti-angiogenic in addition. Now because uh, the company did not seek registrational approval, um, it is still not FDA or EMA approved, but it is on the NCCN guidelines. It is also considered a standard of care throughout much of Europe. Um, in the United States, there are some places that feel very confident giving bevacizumab, and there are other investigators that do not. I tend to fall into the category of people who do give antiangiogenics and mesothelioma. Um, I've seen plenty of patients benefit from it. I think it increases response rates, and I think it also does prolong PFS. And if it's a bevacizumab-eligible patient, I will consider doing it if they don't have the option for a clinical trial. Now, you mentioned uh, anti-angiogenic therapy kind of interchangeably with bevacizumab, but we've also had some negative data in the same space. That's correct. So the VEGFR TKIs, unfortunately, despite early phase two data that was promising, has not panned out in larger phase three trials. The most recent example was the Lumi Meso trial, where 
The Phase II showed a remarkable survival benefit with the addition of a uh, VEGFR TKI um, to chemotherapy. But the Phase three trial, which was done internationally, didn't demonstrate that benefit. So I think that there are some mesothelioma patients, again, without a predictive biomarker, it's hard to pick out those patients. Um, but I have no doubt that there are those that gain tremendous benefit. And this is supported by the fact that single-agent VEGFR antiangiogenic TKIs have, in the salvage setting, shown responses in some patients. So the negative results don't uh, taint the field, particularly in terms of making, shouldn't lead us to be less enthusiastic or optimistic about bevacizumab's place. I would agree with that. I think that there, without a doubt, there's always those patients in the tail end of the curve. It's just that we haven't figured out how to identify them yet. Now, there's an upcoming meeting on mesothelioma that you're deeply involved with. Can you tell us about that? So this is the going to be the first ISLEC targeted therapies meeting for mesothelioma. So I'm very excited. Um, this has been a long time coming, but it is an actual two-day meeting completely dedicated to novel therapies, novel techniques, novel strategies in mesothelioma. And when and where is that? This will be July 10th through the 12th in New York. People can find out about that through the ISLC website. Yes, we are definitely excited um, because we have a great list of investigators from all around the world that will be sharing their current research strategies and their novel uh, strategies at the meeting. Can you talk a bit about the potential emerging targeted therapies? I mean, we, we've talked about angiogenesis inhibition. We will talk about uh, immunotherapy, which has been the subject of some study. But are there things to be optimistic about in terms of targets and targeted therapies? Absolutely. So the combination, we have a, a day, half a day dedicated to combination immunotherapies and novel immunotherapy targets. There'll be dendritic cell, there'll be vaccine therapies discussed, um, certainly also the mesothelin targeted therapies. Um, as well as some stem cell targets um, will all have a place. So it'll be a very packed two days, mm -hmm. but because we have such a wide and diverse um, um, faculty coming, uh, I think it'll be really exciting and very interesting. There have been several immunotherapies that have been studied. Uh, overall, they have shown good signals of activity do you get a sense that any one of these bubbles up as the optimal one, or is this still a very open and still somewhat immature field uh, of immunotherapy and mesothelioma? I would say without a doubt, it's still open. Mm. There hasn't been one particular agent that has stood out above and beyond everything else. Um, I think we've seen consistent uh, benefit in a population of mesothelioma patients um, with all the checkpoint inhibitors. but. This as a solid tumor lags behind many of the other diseases, mostly because it is rare. It's hard to get trials going in this disease space. Um, and again, this is also why this meeting by ISLAC is so important, by bringing together all of the world's experts in mesothelioma. Um, this will hopefully lead to better collaborations um, and hopefully faster trials. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the role for immunotherapy today, just in contemporary practice? So Japan has led the world in approving nivolumab from a regulatory perspective in the second and third line setting for mesothelioma after chemotherapy failure. 
Um, we do expect the FDA and EMA to also follow suit. Um, currently in the NCCN guidelines, nivolumab within, without ipilimumab is listed as a salvage therapy option. Do you envision that in the coming years there's going to be an individualization of treatment recommendations based on targets, immunotherapy profile, maybe even clinical features? Or do you think that in three or five years we're still going to be following an algorithm based on basically extent of disease and performance data? I hope we are not following an algorithm. I think that the way that we make progress in any of these thoracic malignancies is to personalize this. We now know that it's not just the tumor that we have to factor in, it's also the host, the microbiome, the host's own immune innate um, reactivity. All of these are factors that we still don't understand enough about to to make the kind of progress that we're all hoping for. But I'm hoping given that science and technology are moving at such a rapid pace, I am hoping in three to five years that we will have far more options and that we won't be following algorithms for every individual case. How challenging is it uh, to be in a field where there's just such a limited opportunity to study the range of people who present with mesothelioma. I mean, this is a field where many of these patients are very geographically dispersed. Many are older and sicker and don't have the resources to come to a place like MD Anderson or some of the other bigger centers where they have the most experience with the surgeries or the, the trials. So how feasible is it to translate the work you're doing into rank-and-file oncology clinics? Well, the goal will ultimately be able to, will definitely be to provide or be able to provide resources to oncologists out in different areas where they can learn uh, about the different technologies that we're doing. Uh, but you're right, there are always going to be some patients that need to be treated at a tertiary care center. And those would be the ones that I would say need multimodality therapy and who have the possibility of a cure. Those are the ones that I think will always need to be referred in for the expertise that comes from a multidisciplinary group and having a surgical ICU. Um, patients that undergo mesothelioma surgery all need to have pulmonologists, um, respiratory therapists, nurses, and ICU hospitalists that are all well-trained in mesothelioma um, to help get them through really tough multimodality therapy. Thank you so much for taking the time. I hope that the meeting is a wild success and importantly is the first of uh, many annual meetings that are just building on the momentum of what you start now. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more lung cancer considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues. This is Dr. Jack West. Until next time.